Father, we love your word. We love how it teaches us about you and what you've done for us. So we just pray now that you'll bless our time together, enrich our knowledge of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. We're in um, Exodus chapter 1, and we've come to verse 8. So tonight, God willing, we're going to go um, through the end of the chapter. So let's just start right in here, verse uh, 8, Exodus 1. And there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Well, this, this is like hundreds of years have passed. This is a new Egyptian dynasty. You know, there are debates about which dynasty is it and all this, but the bottom line for you and me is didn't know Joseph. Our focus always is, in, in Bible study, our focus is on the purpose and work of God in the world, in His people, and how God is accomplishing His purpose in His creation. Most of the time, it doesn't have anything to do with world history as the world studies history. I've said that several times, but it's always, it always bears repeating. Here, notice that Moses is not inspired to give us a brief historical rundown of what Egyptian dynasty there was when Joseph was there, and then how we've come to this new Egyptian dynasty. That's not important to you and me. What is important is that God had said 400 years they're going to be in a land that's not theirs. They're going to be slaves. Uh, that's what's important to you and me. Just before God said that, he promised to make Abraham a great nation and he'd have many descendants. Now, that's what's important to you and me. God, through those 400 years, is working out the fulfillment of that covenant, that promise. That doesn't mean anything to the Egyptian dynasty. It doesn't mean anything to, uh, to the historians of the day or even the historians that write history books. But it means everything to you and me because what God is doing for me is, is written right here. It's not written on some battlefield where the Egyptians and who the Ethiopians or Sumerians or whatever... That's, that's not me. That's, that's a couple of kings, and, and they think that they're important, and to some people they are important, but that's not me. A whole lot of soldiers died on the field, don't even know who their names are, don't even know where they're buried. That's not me. That's not applicable to me, but this is. I'm, I'm written right here. This is me uh, because, because of what God has done for me. All right, so did not know Joseph, this new king. And he said to his people, look, the people of the sons of Israel are more numerous than us. Now, yeah, that's a, the, the, Hebrew, uh, the, the, the Hebrew text there is a, it's a, the, the, the Hebrew word, yours may say mightier than we. I don't know. Does your translation say mightier? 
too many and too mighty. That's probably the best way to translate it because the word is all inclusive. It says they outnumber us and they're getting bigger and mightier than we are. So uh, numbers, I suppose, would have meant everything in fighting a war back in those days. Well, okay, so new, new Egyptian king, he reassesses the existence of Israel in the land of Egypt. Remember, for all of these centuries, the Egyptians have never liked the kind of people that the Israelites were. You remember that? That, that goes back to when we studied when Joseph first came in. The Egyptians did not like pastoral agricultural people. They didn't like people like that. They had to deal with them. They dealt in business with them. But they thought of themselves, they thought of that part of society as a baser part of society. So they've maintained separation. Very important point. Look, the people of the sons of Israel are more numerous than us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with him. Now that, that, means, that means let's make a plan uh, about these people. That's, let's wisely make a plan. Put together, skillfully put together our, our best thinking hats and let's decide what we're going to do with Israel, the presence of Israel. And nobody at that point in time, either side, Israel or Egypt, would have argued the fact that Egypt was not the land of Israel. That, didn't, that wasn't their land. Um, so, come let us deal shrewdly with him, lest he multiply, that when war befalls, that he may also join to our enemies and fight against us, and so go up or escape out of the land. So they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built supply cities for Pharaoh, Pitom and Raamses. Now those are proper nouns and they are the names of those, those supply cities. Uh, they were cities where apparently what Joseph started hundreds of years earlier carried on because generally these were supply cities that stored grain. Um, so that I guess Egypt, as Joseph had taught them hundreds of years earlier, well, the Lord inspired Joseph thus, they wouldn't have to worry about, about famines. They, they, were the, they were the first, <laughs> I won't say the first, but they were preppers in their day, right? They had supply cities so that they could keep supplies uh, on hand the, such that they wouldn't have to worry about their people suffering in unusual times. They would build these cities. So who did they get? Well, let's just, let's just enslave the Israelites. We don't like them. We're troubled by their presence because there are so many of them. They don't really owe allegiance to us. So let's, let's enslave them. These are harsh words in the original. Uh, those words up there uh, that says they're going to set taskmasters over them. They're going to afflict them with burdens. These are harsh. These are harsh words. They're going to make them do work 
that generally was so difficult that hardly anybody would want to do that kind of work, but they were going to have to do it being slaves now of the Egyptians. But the more, so we come to verse 12, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. They were already troubled about the, the mighty numbers of Israel. The Israelites probably were healthy people. They were, they were people who worked the land and who worked livestock. They would have appeared to be uh, healthy people. It would also have to say that whether or not Pharaoh or anybody else in Egypt would, would admit it, they would have to admit that Israel's God had blessed them. So not only would they have been growing mighty in numbers, but they would have been growing in resources, personal resources, their resourcefulness. They took care of themselves. And Israelites have always been shrewd businessmen, shrewd traders in, uh, in commercial, uh, in commercial uh, exchange and so forth. So this is, this is something that would have been troublesome to a mighty empire like Egypt. So look at what he says. All right, the more they afflicted, so they keep growing. You know, this is supposed to stunt the growth of the nation, but instead it has the opposite effect. It goes on and it says, and they were in dread of the sons of Israel. They act, this is something you don't think about very much, but they were actually afraid of them. Israel didn't have a standing army. They had not offered any threat to the Egyptians, but there was something about them that made the Egyptians afraid of them. Continuing. So Egypt made the sons of Israel serve with severity, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in brick and mortar and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve, they made them serve with harshness. Now what that, what that passage means is that the Egyptians were unusually cruel to the Israelites. They not only meant to subject them, but they meant to make them suffer. They meant to afflict them harshly. So, so they were mistreated. They were, they were abused in about every way that you can think of. No doubt, whatever resources, whatever wealth Israel had built up over those 400 years, no doubt that was taken away from them by the Egyptians. Now, the Israelites apparently would have still lived in the land of Goshen. But the land of Goshen now, instead of appearing to be uh, the dwelling place of the Israelites, it would have been... It would have been the campsite of the slaves. That's what, it, that's what Goshen here uh, would have been. And the king of Egypt spoke to the midwives, Hebrewesses, or, or Hebrew women, of whom the name of one was Shifra. The name of the second was Pua. And he said, when you help give birth for the Hebrewesses or the Hebrew women, 
and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. This is, this is um, population control. This is attempted genocide. Uh, this is abortion run rampant. And you know, our nation is near to this point now. Already you can abort a child across most of the nation at full term. I mean, just before it exits the womb. I don't see why. I mean, the same evil spirit that directed um, Pharaoh is, of course, alive today. And um, in the due course of time, the same mindset that, that aborts a fetus just very early in pregnancy is the same mindset that would kill the child even when it exits the womb. Well, this is where they are. But now, okay, so what has been happening spiritually to the Israelites for 400 years? This is an interesting statement. But the midwives feared God. Now, um, it's... it's uh, there's a, there's a special way uh, to, to look at this uh, down in, uh, well, verse, um, what is that, verse 17 in your text there, verse 17? All right. It, 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 uh, it goes like this. Uh, the, the phrase is ha'elohim. All right, so they, they feared Ha Elohim, which means, which, which translates the God. They don't call him by, it doesn't say they feared the Lord or they feared um, Adonai or anything like that. It says they feared Ha Elohim. They feared the God, uh, and that would be right in, right in here. Um, so, okay, now um, it tells us that they had maintained a separation from the polytheistic worship, the polytheism of the Egyptians. Even though they don't have the Ten Commandments, at this point, the, the message of the God of Abraham passed down through all of these many generations is still a very strong message. So we don't know how their worship was designed or, or anything. I'm sure that uh, I'm, I'm sure that they had records of, of things. Those records would have been the records that would have eventually made into the Torah, the, 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 the books of Moses. So probably from, from parents to children, the great truth of the true and living God, the God of Abraham, was imprinted 
in the hearts of Israelites because of what it says here. The midwives feared, and the definite article, I told you, the definite article is up there, which they feared the God, the true and living God, and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but saved the male children alive. What kind of courage would it have taken? Did they think that Pharaoh wouldn't have noticed that there were still male children being born? Of course he would have. But they were more afraid of God, the true and living God, than they were of Pharaoh, who would have been the mightiest king in his part of the world in that day. So this tells us something of the spiritual life of Israel in that, in that interesting period between Joseph and Moses. So in fear of God, they just disobeyed the king, Pharaoh. They didn't do what he said. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing? And saved the male children alive. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because our women are not like your women. Our women are lively. Before they come, and this is just a literal translation, are lively before they come to them to deliver. They give birth. Before we get there, well, they've already taken care of it themselves. They just, they just, they just deliver their own babies. They're not, they're not weak like the Egyptian women. Our women, they're strong. Well, they didn't exactly tell the truth there, did they? Um, but... Uh, you know, all's fair in love and war, right? I don't know. Um, but there probably was some truth to that in that God had so blessed them that even in their affliction and enslavement, which would have meant that even the women would have had uh, uh, terrible uh, physical abuse, and yet still they carried their babies to term. They, didn't, they kept numerically growing, and the more they were mistreated, the Bible just told us, the bigger the nation grew. So there, there, there has to be some degree, you know, th these are strong women. They're not, like, they're not like the bunch of Egyptian women. These are strong women. Before we get there, they've already given birth. So God, now, here, uh, it doesn't say the God. It just says Elohim. Uh, so, it's um, it it tells us then that God has has received. It's it's almost like what the midwives did was was just a part of their demeanor and their worship as believers. They were in their day and in their way, they were believers. So God dwelt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and they were very numerous. That's a very emphatic uh, in, the, in the text there. It's very emphatic that, uh, that they were uh, very numerous. And when the Holy Spirit says something like that, you can figure that, uh, you can figure that this was uh, quite, 
quite a thing of multiplication with regard to the people. So now the Egyptians find themselves more and more in the minority. Israelites growing stronger and stronger. He had already said, you know, what if, what if war comes and these people decide to side with our enemies that we can't do anything? They're right here in our midst. We couldn't do anything about it. They would overwhelm us with numbers. Now, those numbers are increasing even more. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Uh, God gave them a very special blessing at this point. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born, now he's talking about Hebrew children. Every son who is born, you shall cast into the river. This is a cruel guy. He, he stole the freedom and personal existence away from millions at this point, probably close to two million or so Israelites. He stole their identity, their personal lives, their existence. He stole, he just took that away from them and then took them out of the life that they were enjoying in which they were being blessed and forced them into this very hard labor. And now because they keep multiplying, he's going to control this population by murder. Now, every time you see a Hebrew, an Israelite who has a male child, you take that baby and you throw him in the river. Now, this you see what it says right here? Uh, Pharaoh commanded. Now, that's an important thing. That meant that uh, this was a law. They had to do what Pharaoh said to do. They didn't, the, now, they didn't have they didn't have an option. So all of his people probably would have included the Hebrews as well as the Egyptians. Anybody, this is your job. When you see some, when you see some young baby, male, toddler, infant, whatever, you see a Hebrew male child, you are commanded to rip that child from his mother or his father, his family, you were to take that child and throw that little thing into the Nile River. Well, he'd drown. He'd die. There may have been, I don't know, there may have been critters like crocodiles, I don't know, uh, bad things out there. And the poor little thing would have died. Now, how many of them died? I don't know. I don't know how many people would have been obedient to that, uh, to that command. But... It ain't going to be too much longer. We're going to find out somebody who wasn't obedient to it, right? Casting the and every daughter you shall save alive. So they would they would they would maintain a number of slaves, female slaves, for whatever various work they would force them to do. But by getting rid of all of the male children, it'd just be a generation or so before the Israelites 
would have been absorbed into the Egyptian society and the Israelites would have lost their national identity and the descendants of Abraham would have disappeared from the face of the earth. You think God's going to let that happen? Well, of course He's not going to let that happen because he has, he has made a covenant with Abraham, though Abraham's been dead a long time. He has made a covenant with regard to these people and it may not be that everybody among the Israelites were, were completely understanding of what God had said. I don't know. Maybe they were. I would think that a lot of them were. But he's not going to allow this uh, destruction of the Israelite nation. He's not going to allow it. And we're going to see how he works that out, uh, God willing, as we get into the next chapter. But we'll stop there for tonight. Uh, and pick it up after that the next time. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, that you're a word keeper. That whatever you've said you'd do, you'd do it. And you made promises to me and to everybody in here. And we know that if you have to move the world to keep your word, you'll do it. We're strengthened by this, Lord, and we pray that you'll Help us to grow in our faith as we look more and more to you as we pass through life. In Jesus' name, amen.